Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast, is a passion project brought to you by a fellow gamer just like yourself. To support this podcast, follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe to Hitbox Detective on YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at HitboxDetective. I know everyone says this, but I truly mean it when I say your support means the world to me. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome. This is episode 16 of Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Hitbox Detective. For first-time listeners, I was a childhood Nintendo fan that recently re-entered the Nintendo ecosystem, and this is a weekly podcast where I discuss Nintendo news, share what I've been playing, and end on a segment I like to call Switch It Up, where I check out the Nintendo Switch online game library and suggest a game for you all to check out. New episodes go live everywhere on Mondays at 5am Eastern Standard Time. That way, you can start your week off on the right foot, no matter how early you have to wake up for work. This is still a relatively new podcast, and I would like to answer listener questions, comments, and concerns, so if you would like to write into the show, you can do so by emailing me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com, you can leave a comment on a YouTube video, or you can tweet at me on Twitter at HitboxDetective. Um, <clears throat> first off, I drank like an Americano in a cup of black coffee and have uh, got really good sleep, so I'm zooming, and so if this episode is high energy... That is why. Um, actually, it might, it might bode well. I'm going to have to do this. This might be the recipe. But anyway, um, been a relaxing week because anytime I put out a video and I have a little bit of downtime, I get like rejuvenated. And my Horizon Forbidden West review went live last week. So if you aren't watching on YouTube, if you're listening on audio-only services, head over to Hitbox Detective on YouTube and you can find my reviews and my retrospectives and other editorials as well as the video form of this podcast. Um, But yeah, I've uh, finished Horizon Forbidden West and uh, did a review for it. It wasn't like a formal review. It was more of just like uh, me getting more practice. I, I reviewed Um, Halo Infinite when it came out uh, just for my own sake as practice and then now that I'm writing for lordsofgaming.net and I'm building up to reviews um, I wanted to do one more just to get some more practice and uh, figure out a new format for video editing which I did with Horizon Forbidden West and I really liked it and I'm probably going to keep that kind of style of editing going where there's no fade outs it's just or there are fade outs when they're applicable but not to just break up each section it kind of just flows and uh only use the fade outs when it feels appropriate but um i right before recording i literally like went and got taco bell and ate it but but right before that i rolled credits on kirby and the forgotten land um there's a review uh, video coming to my channel as well as a written review on lordsofgaming.net. So um, depending if, if you like to read your reviews or if you like to watch them, uh, if you go to lordsofgaming.net, you can find the video link and you can find the written part. Um, but if you go to Hitbox Detective on YouTube, you can just watch the video if you would like to. Um, but if you go to lordsofgaming.net, when the review eventually goes live... Uh, that, that'll be a place to find both, and you could subscribe to the channel. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter at HitboxDetective, you'll know exactly when that goes live. So uh, I'll give my impressions on Kirby in the Forgotten Land later in this episode um, when I get to what I've been playing. But um, without further ado, I figure let's dive into the news because as opposed to the last couple of weeks, we actually have something to talk about, which is nice. Um, you know, something pertinent and something that uh, actually kind of affects Nintendo in the grand scheme of things. Um, so let's go ahead and transition over to the news. 
Unfortunately, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed to spring of 2023. Um, this story was written by Gavin Lane over at Nintendo Life. Um, it did a great write-up, so I'm just using it to kind of relay all of the information that came out. Um, the article reads as follows. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, I ate before the episode, so <laughs> if uh, I stifle burps, that's what's going on. I'm not going to go through and edit out each one. Uh, Nintendo has shared an update regarding The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. It's being delayed until 2023. Originally scheduled for a originally scheduled for a 2022 release and reconfirmed for that launch window last month, albeit with a temporary appended uh, with a temp Appended? What does that mean? Anyway, series boss uh, E.G. Aonuma, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, presented the short update and apologized to fans uh, who had been expecting to play the game sometime this year. He goes on to mention again that the sequel's sky-based gameplay and and assured fans that the, that the development team is hard at work on what is still officially called the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. In order to make the game, this is a quote from... Um, the uh, series boss in order to make the game's experience something special the entire development team is continuing to work diligently on this game so please wait a while longer um, the apology featured a small snippet of new footage showing link holding what looks like a gnarly master sword um, it's a blow for fans who might have hoped to be playing the sequel to the celebrated original which was released alongside the switch five years ago on the 3rd of march 2020 or 2017 um, this holiday season is when we were thinking it was going to come out, but you know, it's been delayed. Um, it's a really short video, so let me just make sure the volume is down on my computer and we can take a look at this video and see that master sword footage for ourselves. Um, and subtitles are up, uh, if you're watching the video only part, um, it's just the, the Legend of Zelda series boss, uh, kind of giving that update and, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, because Breath of the Wild 2 was the big game this year. Um, and I was really looking forward to it, and I had planned, you know, I put 60-some-odd hours into Breath of the Wild and um, never beat it. And so I have a video planned for later this year to finally beat it and kind of do like a uh, rewind review of sorts. And um it's unfortunate that it's not coming out this year, but it does give me time to uh, build up to beating it again. Um, they're showing the footage now, and my God, it looks beautiful. Um, and you're right, like, or he's right, you know, there is like a lot of, uh, it does look like it takes place more in the sky. Oh, that is a gnarly looking master sword. And like, not gnarly in like the cool kind of way. I mean, it is cool, but like it's gnarled, like it's uh, banged up and broken and looks like jagged. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, in terms of what's going on with Breath of the Wild 2, you know, I think a delayed game is always better than like an undercooked game. So sure, you know, I know that really what I think that this affects more than anything are the, like, what games does Nintendo have now for this year? And so I went through and kind of made a list of the major Switch exclusives, um, I'm not going to be able to put it up on video, but I'll go ahead and switch it back to me really quick. Um, so first up in the pipeline is Nintendo Switch Sports. comes out on April 29th, 2022. And I think that is a game that, you know, it's not, it's not Breath of the Wild 2. 
Um, it's something that uh, families and, you know, the few odd people will enjoy. Um, it, it's more of like a general game, and it's cool that it's coming out, but it's not really that that hitter. It's not like a Horizon Forbidden West or a Forza Horizon 5 or uh, the Halo Infinite, you know. Um, but then following that is Mario Strikers Battle League coming out on June 10th, 2022, which is cool. You know, uh, it's a Mario sports game. Um, again, it's no Breath of the Wild. It's no, uh, it's no, uh, Forbidden West. Um, and it's no Halo Infinite, but it's something to look forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to playing it and potentially reviewing it or doing something related to it. Um, but I'm for sure picking up Nintendo Switch Sports and Mario Strikers Battle League this year. Um, then there's a Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes coming out on June 24th. Um, I'm not the biggest like Dynasty Warriors or Warriors like game fan, and if I'm being honest, outside of my limited experience with Path of Radiance, I'm not even that big of a Fire Emblem fan. It's a series that I want to return to and finally beat one. I would love to do that for Path of Radiance and hopefully the Nintendo Switch Online service adds GameCube games at some point um, because I would love to go back and play Path of Radiance uh, and finally beat it. That would be really cool. I have a cool like backstory with that and that's kind of uh, the premise for I finally beat videos is, <clears throat> you know, either I couldn't beat it as a kid or, um, you know, I've always looked at it and been like, man, I want to play that but I never bought it or couldn't get it as a kid or... Um, you know, something to that effect, and <clears throat> Path of Radiance is one of those games, but again, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, not really the game we're all, you know, hold, hold, holding our breath for, you know, um, it's no Breath of the Wild, pun intended, uh, uh, Live Alive, or Live Alive, or, yeah, I think it's a Live Alive, um, it's a HD 2D remaster, uh, coming to the Switch, uh, it's the first time Live Alive is coming to America, I believe. It releases on July 22nd, 2022. And although I think that this is a game that a lot of people are really looking forward to, it's not Breath of the Wild. And, it, you know, that's kind of <clears throat> what stinks about this delay. You know, and as we continue to go through this list, I can't help but think like, man, we really don't have much left unless there's something waiting in the wings like metroid prime 4 or something to that effect but we'll we'll continue going down the list a game i'm really looking forward to mario plus rabbit sparks of hope uh comes out this year no date as of right now uh so we don't know but uh you know <clears throat> it's a switch exclusive i'm really looking forward to it i have uh kingdom battle over here i never got to, a chance to play it so that's something where I don't think it's in this next group of videos I'm about to do, but I think it's in the following where I'm going to finally beat uh, Kingdom Battle in preparation for Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Uh, so we've got that to look forward to. I think that's more of a major game, but it's, again, it's kind of like <clears throat> when Gears Tactics came out on Xbox. It's not a Gears of War game. You know, it, it's not like a main line. It's kind of like an offshoot. It's like a Pokemon mystery dungeon or a you know, uh, a Pokemon Snap, but you know, I know that's a, it, it's not a Pokemon Snap, let me take that back, it's, it's an offshoot, um, it's not, it's not like a, uh, it's not like that thing we're looking for, it's not like a Super Mario Odyssey, it's not, 
you know, it's not a Legend of Zelda game. It's not even a Kirby in the Forgotten Land, you know? Um, but then Splatoon 3 comes out later this year, and I think while that is of a prestigious caliber at this point, I think, um, I still have this feeling that, that that's not going to do it either. That's not going to satiate the audience, the, the, the Switch player. I don't think that Splatoon 3 is going to do it. And <clears throat> to be fair, I think I played the demo for Splatoon 1, but then never played 2. So, yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I, if there's, because I don't think that there's a campaign necessarily, not like a proper one with a story and everything. If I'm wrong in that, please let me know in the comments below so I have a reason to look forward to this game. But with the with the way that the Switch online multiplayer kind of functions, I don't see myself playing Splatoon 3. Uh, not like that anyway. It would be something that like if I had a kid or a cousin that spent a lot of time with me or you know something to that effect I might get it so that they can play a online multiplayer game but uh in a like kind of like a safe environment not like a uh not throwing them to the wolves to play like modern warfare 2 and you know whenever that game came out um uh but yeah I don't think Splatoon 3 does it um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 comes out in September of 2022, and if I didn't say it, Splatoon 3 comes out in summer 2022, but anyway, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, September 2022, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I think, is of that caliber, it's, it's something in the pipeline that we really have to look forward to, and, um, I want to try to get my hands on the first two Xenoblade Chronicles and play through them, because, there's this air of like prestige around it. People really enjoy them and really like them. And I would like to add it to my library and finally beat them, you know, and make videos about them. Um, and so, um, and experience them. I just have to get to it before September, but I've planned content all the way till October. So I don't think that that's going to happen unless I'm, uh, hitting the bottom of the barrel in terms of, uh, but I've mapped everything out pretty well. So unless I do a, a hard pivot, Along the all, along the way, I don't see myself getting to those games this year. But you know, I can always throw Xenoblade Chronicles into the I finally beat thing and do a rewind review. Excuse me, the the burps have come back to haunt me. The weekly <laughs> me myself and I burps. Um, and then in late 2022, we can look forward to Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. That is, to me, that's the big one. That's the biggest thing we have this year. Uh, and, you know, we just got Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is in my, you know, top five of right now for for game of the year. I have some more games that I got to make it to and try to find a way to work them into everything. Um, you know, the middle of the year is a pretty, like, um, like there's not a whole lot going on, so... Uh, I have a lot of games that I need to play to make sure I know what I'm, I can make a good call on game of the year. Um, and I have to play Pokemon Scarlet or Pokemon Violet. I'll probably play Pokemon Violet. I usually go for cooler colors over warmer colors. So I'll probably pick up Violet and, uh, play that late this year. And to me, that's the biggest one. Um, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, uh, got delayed because of the war. Um, and so it might come out this year. I guess it really depends on what happens. 
Uh, I wanted to include it because it was slated to come out this year, but it didn't. Or, you know, it got delayed and we don't really know, but just in the off chance that it does come out, it's something to look forward to. Although it's not a Pokemon Scarlet or Violet, it's not a Breath of the Wild, you know. Um, and then, you know, if you're holding on to hope, there's Bayonetta 3 sometime this year. Maybe it'll come out. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I think Bayonetta 3 is one of those games where it's a reason to own the Switch. Um, I've never played a Bayonetta game, so. I know that they're popular, but um, with the way people talk about them and the conversation surrounding them, I think they're of that caliber where, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a ten pole game. So those are like ten games we have to look forward to, and I think what like three of them are big hitters. Um, potentially four if Advance Wars comes out, but maybe not even that. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope could be considered one. Um, Splatoon 3 might be considered one. And some people might consider Nintendo Switch Sports and Mario Strikers Battle League really big. Um, especially with, you know, the weight that Wii Sports carried. Switch Sports may have that same cachet, but it not being a pack-in, unless they decide to start bundling it together to move units the way that the Wii moved units because of the pack-in of Wii Sports. Um, we're really going to have to wait and see, and see how that all plays out. But I just, uh, personally, I'm like, man, this Breath of the Wild 2 being delayed is a big L. Uh, I, uh, sorry, I hate I hate that phrase. I hate saying take an L, but it felt applicable here, because it really does feel like, man, what, you know, when you look at what PlayStation has going on, where Horizon Forbidden West came out, Gran Turismo 7, which I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on, but I play it and played it at launch and loved it. Uh, I think that what a lot of people are complaining about with that game is that, you know, they they want to fire it up, run a couple races, get a McLaren, and then just like be dusting everybody. But that's like wanting that gnarly master sword in the beginning of the game and being upset that you can't get it because you have to go through X, Y, and Z to get it. And Gran Turismo 7 scales and plays like a traditional video game that's also a racing game, and I really like that about it, and it's way more accessible. I have a video all about it. Um, you can check that out if you want to, but I, and even, you know, I'm trying to think of what Xbox has in the pipeline this year, and, you know, unfortunately, I, I've kind of gone a little silent on Xbox, you know? I got my Series X, um, and I have... A bunch of games lined up that I'm going to play on Xbox next. Um, so like the next three videos I make will all be Xbox games. Um, not necessarily exclusive to the console, but that's where I'm going to play them just to show my Xbox some love. It's basically been a Blu-ray player this year. Um, but um, I'm not sure what Xbox has in the pipeline this year. So, you know, in terms of who I think is going to have the best year... I think it's probably going to be PlayStation, Nintendo, Xbox. Um, unless Xbox comes out swinging with something huge. I know that they just got Tunic, and I would love to play Tunic, but I just don't have the time. It's something I'll probably circle back to at some point. Um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think Breath of the Wild 2 losing that this year really hurts um, in terms of huge games coming out. But that means, you know, if it comes out spring of next year, 
that means, you know, this time next year we're playing Breath of the Wild too. And uh, that that gets me excited. Um, so it'll kind of be like our Forbidden West, you know, uh, from this year if you're playing on all consoles. But if you're playing on Nintendo and you feel like you missed out on Forbidden West because you don't have a PS5, this time next year, I know it's a long ways to wait in video game time, but <laughs> um, I think having that to look forward to um, and knowing that they're going to be, it's going to be even more polished and ready. Because uh, if it was going to come out this year, I guess it wouldn't have been ready. So I don't know. It really sucks. But there's another side to this uh, that we have to kind of take a look at really quick. Um, let me switch gears over here and drop that. Nintendo shares slump 6% on Legend of Zelda delay. Um, this story is from Reuters, um, written by, does it say, Sam Nussi? I apologize if I mispronounced that. Um, it says, on March 30th, uh, Nintendo, uh, sh uh, Nintendo shares slumped 6% in Tokyo trading after the Kyoto-based gaming firm said it was pushing back the release of the hotly awaited sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild to spring 2023 from this year's planned debut. The, f um, the fall comes after Nintendo's shares had gained 25% year-to-date at Tuesday's close, shaking off concerns that the hit Switch console might have, might have peaked, sorry, uh, shaking off concerns that the hit Switch console might have peaked following a hardware refresh in October and the launch of a critically acclaimed Pokemon title in January. In order to make this game's experience something special, the entire development team is continuing to work diligently, so please wait a little longer, Zelda series producer uh, E.G. Aonuma said in a video posted to Twitter. I know I read that before, but it was in the article. I'm just going through it. Uh, the original Breath of the Wild was itself delayed, becoming a Switch launch game in 2017 and selling more than 25 million units. The widely emulated action-adventure was praised for its open-world gameplay. Nintendo launched a hack-and-slash spin-off Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity in 2020. Nintendo was preparing to launch the still-untitled Zelda sequel into an industry which has recently seen the launch of adventure games Elden Ring from Katakawa and, and Bandai Namco and Horizon Forbidden West from Sony. Um, despite the Zelda delay, Nintendo has a strong pipeline of 2022 with inky shooter Splatoon 3 due this summer and two further Pokemon titles set to launch this year. Uh, and we just kind of went through that list, but uh, the article goes on to say, if there's a year Nintendo can afford to push Zelda out of, it's this year. I tend to disagree with that, but um, the fiscal year hasn't yet started yet, and they have spread out all of these potential blockbuster titles, he added. Um, so, I get what he means by saying that they've launched two po they're going to have launched two Pokemon games this year. Uh, Splatoon 3 um, and Xenoblade Chronicles, even though I think that that's developed by an outside, like a third-party studio for Nintendo. Um, maybe, maybe that, I, think, I believe that's a second-party studio, kind of like Insomniac Games used to be for PlayStation. Um, I don't know. I think it sucks that their share slumped. Um, it's people just being like, let's sell this at a high because it's probably going to dip lower. Um, I believe that's what happens. I don't know. I'm not, uh, I have no idea how the stock market works, but you know, I, I hear what he's saying by saying that, you know, 
with two Pokemon games, Pokemon Legends Arceus doing so incredibly well, and then having another like mainline Pokemon game come out this year, um, and then everything else, it's an alright year to push it out. I just think from a gamer's perspective, when we look at all of these games, um, it leaves something to be desired. If we were playing Breath of the Wild 2 this summer, with the vacancy of titles this summer, if 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 Breath of the Wild 2 had come out this summer, it would crush. It would be doing phenomenally. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that, and, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I wonder, it makes me wonder, if Elden Ring came out and they were like, shit, <laughs> we've got to do something. I doubt that, but it's, uh, something to think about. I wonder. Anyway, moving on to the next story. Um, so PlayStation revealed its PlayStation Plus, like its all new PlayStation Plus model, which launches in June with uh, 700 plus games and more value than ever. And this is from the PlayStation blog. Um, there's statements from uh, Sony pre- or president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Jim Ryan. Um, I, I don't, well, let's go ahead and read the story and I'll go through each tier and then I have it set up so that we can compare it to Switch Online and, um, see, uh, how it stacks up because, you know, we've, we all know that Game Pass, um, in terms of what it offers, Nintendo Switch Online pales in comparison, but I would say that we're going to get into it, but I think PlayStation, the new PlayStation Plus is kind of a marriage of those two services. Um, and so we'll get to see where the, the nuances where, or the, the similarities between switch online and, uh, the new PlayStation plus model lineup. So the blog post reads as follows since launching PlayStation plus in 2010, SIE has been at the forefront of innovation with game subscription services. We were thrilled to be the first console membership that included a refreshed library of games through PlayStation Plus and also launched the first console game streaming service with PlayStation Now. Today, we are pleased to share with you official news about changes coming to the subscription services. This June, we're bringing together PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now in an all-new PlayStation Plus subscription service that provides more choice to customers across three membership tiers globally. Our focus is on providing high-quality, curated content with a diverse portfolio of games, with an asterisk next to it. So we'll get to that. Uh, Below is an overview of the three membership tiers. So, really quick, first difference, three tiers as opposed to two, compared to switch online and i guess to be fair game pass because there's game pass and game pass ultimate um but you know switch online if you just have the base you have access to nes games uh super nes games and uh i think that's it then when you and like online services and um if you have the expansion pack then you get access to um sega genesis and n64 and i believe you get like um access to the booster course pack for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and a few other things. So let's dive into these tiers. The first tier is PlayStation Plus Essential, and the benefits are, provides the same benefits that PlayStation Plus members are getting today, such as two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saved games, 
online multiplayer access, and there are no charges for existing PlayStation Plus members in this tier. So if you're already a PlayStation Plus member and you don't change anything, you automatically just have PlayStation Plus Essential. And the price for PlayStation Plus Essential remains the same as the current price for PlayStation Plus. Um, United States, uh, it's going to be $9.99 monthly, $24.99 quarterly, and $59.99 yearly. Um, then the next tier, PlayStation Plus Extra, uh, the benefits are, provides all the benefits from the Essential tier, adds a catalog of up to 40, or sorry, 400 games with an asterisk, um, sorry, 400 of the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play, which is new. Well, well it's not necessarily new um, because PlayStation Now has downloadable games, um, even though most people kind of think about it like a streaming service. Um, there are downloadable games. And so I think this just opens up the door to kind of how there's the PlayStation Plus collection uh, and there were PS4 games in there. I think it kind of just extends to having some PS5 games and they're going to build it up and have even more offerings and third-party offerings, even though like Monster Hunter World is included and a couple of other games in the PlayStation Plus collection. Um, this isn't a bad option. This is th this is good. You know, there's no backwards compatibility, but to pay a little extra and get this plus extra um, tier, uh, not bad. And the price um, in the United States is $14.99 monthly, $39.99 quarterly, and $99.99 yearly. Um, so we are officially, even though... The, the PlayStation Plus costs, what, $10 more, $9.99 more than Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Um, the PlayStation Plus Extra, you know, basically goes up $40. You pay $40 extra for that 400 um, game catalog um, and all the other benefits. Um, that's, that, that's a pretty sizable jump. And I know that's a lot of games. There's probably going to be a lot of games in that that I go, oh shit, now I can play that. Like, uh, that I'm looking forward to. You know, if like Resident Evil uh, Village is in there, like, oh shit. All right, okay, now I'm finally playing that game because horror games I tend to not like spending money on because sometimes I'm too much of a wimp to get through them. Um, but <sighs> it always makes sense to go yearly. So, cause like, even if you took, uh, if you take 1499 times 12, that's $179.88. So that's $79.89. You're paying a year extra to go month to month instead of just going yearly. So it kind of makes sense to just pay for the year and roll with it. Um, but we'll get into the next tier uh, because this is, honestly, this is the one I'm most excited about. And I think for what you get in addition to if you were just going to get the PlayStation Plus Extra model, I think that PlayStation Plus Premium, even though there's there's some downsides to it, I think that the 20 bucks a month 
that they are that they're offering and everything that you get with it uh, on top of everything else is a pretty good deal. So let's take a look at it really quick. This is PlayStation Plus Premium. This provides all the benefits from essential and extra tiers, adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming, which is unfortunate. The cell architecture for the PlayStation 3 has to be the biggest misstep in PlayStation history because its ripple effect is continuing to affect, you know, PlayStation 3, they butchered the launch. They had to make good by coming out with great games, but now those great games are are stranded on that console and because of the cell architecture it's really difficult to bring those games forward without completely remaking them um, it's really unfortunate but aside from that there's a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original playstation ps2 and psp generations and i think that's huge like the fact that I might be able to play Ratchet & Clank Size Matters and Daxter on my PS5 and finally beat those, because I think I got maybe to the end of Size Matters, and I don't know if I actually ever beat it. I don't remember beating it, so that's a game that I can do I finally beat for, and I can do that for Daxter, and that, that I'm excited about, if they're included. That's the thing. We don't have the list of games, but... um, This does also offer cloud streaming access... Um for um ps4 and ps5 games so it's basically playstation now but with some downloadable options for those back catalog of games and then there are also time limited game trials um that will be offered at that tier so customers can try select games before they buy which is weird a little bit i think it's weird to pay for demos um because you're basically paying to be able to check something out Instead of just offering like a refund option if you play for two hours, <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of like Steam. Um, so I don't know. Uh, to me, uh, premium's a weird tier. I think it's you know it's seventeen ninety nine a month, so it just prices out Game Pass by going up to eighteen dollars a month if you're gonna pay monthly, um, which. I think you'd be kind of silly to pay monthly because $17.99 times 12 is $215.88. And if you just buy the yearly, it's it's $119.99. So you're you're paying $95.89 extra to go month to month. So it makes more sense to just go yearly. Um, what I like about this is that you have the downloadable option. It sucks that the PS3 games are stranded, but having access to PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PSP games is super intriguing and interesting, and I can't wait to take a look at these 340 additional games. Um, but this is where it reminds me of Nintendo Switch Online the most because you're basically paying for backwards compatibility as opposed to what Xbox is doing, where if you have the disc, you can pop in the disc and play it. Um, but if it's available through Game Pass, you can also just download it there and play it. You can stream it. Game Pass is really leading the charge. PlayStation Plus seems like it's kind of slotting right in the middle. And then if you ask me, I know this is a Nintendo podcast, but Nintendo Switch Online offers the worst uh, service, especially now, like, especially now 
when you see that PlayStation is coming out and yes, they're charging all this money for this stuff. Um, and I, you know, I, to be fair, Nintendo switch online adds games all the time. Um, we have three more games we're going to get to later that they just added this week. It seems like almost every week now they're adding games, which is exciting. Um, but I don't know it, uh, it, it, it's interesting, you know, it, it, PlayStation Plus Premium is really expensive. I'm likely just going to buy the year and have fun with it um, because I do like the idea of being able to play PlayStation, PS2, PSP, PlayStation 4, and PS5 games and just having this huge library to go back to because PlayStation has a rich history similar to Nintendo, you know, Um I think that I wish I wish Nintendo I hope Nintendo sees this and goes, "Okay, we need to add Game Boy Advance games. We need to add GameCube games. We need to add Wii games. We need to build this online service up. It needs to be way better than it is now." That's the takeaway without increasing the price. They cannot increase the price again. I think if they want, if they increase the price, the unfortunate thing with me is that like I've got to have access to the stuff because I do a Nintendo podcast and write for a gaming website and all these things. So like, I can't, I feel like I can't necessarily put my money where my mouth is unless something is truly egregious. But I I don't think if they increase the prices again, I know that there's a, a contingent of or a contingent of Nintendo fans that are going to buy it no matter what. But I, I would say if, if Nintendo adds a bunch of games from, from you know, if they add Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games, 3DS, DS, you know, find a way to make the dual screen thing work, uh, GameCube games especially, like bring back the GameCube. There's so many games on there. Uh, that's a good move. There's also a PlayStation Plus Deluxe, which is basically the premium tier for areas of the world that don't have access to cloud streaming. And so, um, you know, they're basically not going to be able to play PS3 games. And so they're giving them, there's like local pricing varying on the market. Um, and there's a lot more in this PlayStation blog if you want to go check it out. But I wanted to switch gears to take a look at Nintendo Switch Online and just review what all is in here. Um, because, whoops, I went a little too far. Let me go back. Um, so, yeah, you get the limited Nintendo Entertainment System library. You get the limited Super Nintendo Entertainment System library. You get online functionality. You get saved data to the cloud. Um, with the expansion pack, you get N64, Sega Genesis. You get access to the uh, booster course pack for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and um, Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, Happy Home Paradise. You get access to through the online or uh, through the expansion pack. And to be fair, for an individual membership for just Nintendo Switch Online, if you pay month to month, it's $3.99. Which, 
that's the big thing for Nintendo is that these these tiers are a lot cheaper. For three every three months, basically paying quarterly, it's seven dollars ninety nine cents, uh, and you save three dollars and ninety eight cents by doing that. Um, and then if you wanted a twelve month yearly membership, it is nineteen dollars ninety nine cents, and you save twenty seven dollars ninety nine cents by doing that. And if you buy a family membership where you have eight Nintendo account holders that can all access these, it's $34.99 for a year. Um, and then if you move over to the Switch Online Expansion Pack, which includes, you know, 64 games, Sega Genesis games, the Booster Course Pass, and Happy Home Paradise for Animal Crossing, it's uh, a year-only option for uh, $49.99 USD. If you wanted the family membership with the eight Nintendo account holders, it's $79.99. And uh, I think the family membership option is bodes well. I think Game Pass just added a family uh, pack kind of option for Game Pass as well. And, you know, Nintendo it has the cheapest offering. Um, but they also, their online service, you know, the online play not great <laughs> to say the least the online play could use a lot of work um nes and super nes games are fun don't get me wrong i'm nostalgic for super nes games because despite getting one in like 1999 that was my first gaming console just grew up in a poor family and that was my first gaming console outside of the sega pico or pico i think it's pico uh but that's not really a game console to be fair um but so I'm nostalgic for Super Mario World and Star Fox and, um, you know, uh, Chemco's Top Gear. <laughs> but you get saved data to the cloud, which is nice. You have the smartphone app, and then there are special offers um, for just the online. But then if you get the expansion pack, you get the 64 games, the Sega Genesis booster course pack. And I don't play Animal Crossing, but you also get access to Happy Home Paradise. <sighs> I don't know, man. To me, the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, and honestly, the online service in general just could use some work. I think that if you pay for Switch Online, the access to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pack and Happy Home Paradise should be included in the base model. 64 games and Sega Genesis games... If you wanted to make that available in the expansion pack, I get it. Or if you wanted to move Nintendo 64 games over to the base program and then have Booster Course Pack, Animal Crossing, Happy Home Paradise, and Sega Genesis in the expansion pack, that's fine. But what I feel, maybe they can move some of these things around at some point as they add like Game Boy Advance games, Game Boy games, GameCube, if they're going to do this, which I think they have to especially now with what PlayStation is doing to compete. The weird thing is, is that Nintendo probably feels like they don't compete with Sony and Xbox, which I think is kind of bullshit, but uh, Nintendo can just do whatever they want. And uh, <laughs> we're all guilty, you know, like myself included are guilty of being like, all right, bet, <laughs> you know, um, it's unfortunate. Um, but we, uh, something something's got to change at some point and I don't know I I feel like 
they're just going to continue to keep dumping things over to the expansion pack and slowly move things from the expansion pack over to online just to sweeten that deal and um but they're going to move the things that people are using the least so like i would say sega genesis well see that being in the expansion pack just seems like a solid option so i feel like if anything they'll move 64 over or they'll add like game boy games first to the online and then game boy advance games will be in the expansion pack stuff like that but we'll see to piggyback off of this um i have a story from nintendo life written by liam doolin it says former nintendo employee admits he's frustrated with switch online the article reads as follows Everyone has an opinion about the Switch Online service, and it seems former Nintendo employees are no different. In a very honest reply to a fan fan question, former Nintendo Minute co-host Kit Ellis, who now runs a weekly podcast with Krista Yang, has shared her own, or sorry, his own thoughts about Nintendo's current strategy of drip-feeding classic games. It turns out he's a tad frustrated with the delivery of retro titles on the service, and while he didn't mind the initial NES and Super NES offerings from uh, Switch Online, he feels everything after that has been kind of bad for the most part and that there's no clear indication of what the plan is moving forward. And I agree 100%. Um, This is where I have an issue, he says in a quote. I think giving people an indication of what the plan is helps, like how often am I going to be getting these. I think the initial NES and Super Nintendo games, those were awesome groups of games, but then everything after that has been kind of bad for the most part, and it became very inconsistent. So it's like, are they basically done with the versus... Sorry. So it's like, are they basically done with this versus the stuff they dug up that I've never heard of? Yeah. So that's what I get worried about where they add, or sorry, so that's where I get worried about where they added Nintendo 64 and Genesis. It's like, what is the plan? I almost have more confidence in Sega to deliver their best Genesis stuff than I do with the other platforms. In regards to other platforms, Nintendo should add, Kit thinks Nintendo should promise or should perhaps give fans some newer systems because apparently ice hockey for NES just doesn't cut it nowadays. 100%, dude. Uh, This is just me. If I was working at Nintendo, I would love to get something newer because this stuff is old. And if you're a younger player, you're like, what is this and why would I want to play ice hockey on NES? That means nothing to me. A lot of those NES games are like early, early NES games that belong in a museum. Krista added... Uh, how maybe GameCube games would help the situation, and Kit then reiterated how the company needs to be more transparent with the plans for the service. Says in a quote, "It's just hard to get a handle on what I am getting, or sorry, on what I am getting out of this. So I think that w- um, that would help a lot if they were just a bit more transparent about what the plan is for each of these tiers." Um, I-, I agree with this a hundred percent. I think GameCube games are what should be next. Um, I, if they gave us Game Boy Advance games, shit, okay, bet, you know, I think Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games need to drop same time. I have a feeling they might go Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and that is like split in hairs, and I hate that, but I feel like that may happen. It's why, like, I think they might someday do Nintendo DS, and then 
uh, 3DS games instead of kind of putting them all in one library. Um, I think they're going to split all those hairs. And uh, as much as I get frustrated with that, I think with with Game Pass doing what it's doing and with PlayStation Plus Premium and everything, the new model for PlayStation Plus coming out, um, I think that Nintendo needs to revamp, rethink how they do this and hit the ground running sooner rather than later. With the void that is created by Breath of the Wild 2, something like Game Boy Advance games or GameCube games being on Switch through the service makes the service a bit better. It's still a shame that we're paying for backwards compatibility, but that also comes with the territory when you uh, you change your carts and, and switch from discs to carts and don't just use CD-ROM for or like DVD-ROM or whatever the fuck it is from GameCube era onward, you know? Um, but I, I guess we'll have to see, you know? Um, I agree with this, with, uh, you know, what was their name? Uh, Kit Ellis? I agree, 100%. But we'll see. Moving on to the next story. Activision Blizzard settles sexual harassment lawsuit for $18 million. This is a story from IGN written by Matt Kim. The article reads as follows. Activision Blizzard is looking to do away with one of the several lawsuits over sexual harassment and discrimination level or levied against them. According to the Washington Post, U.S. District Judge Dale Fisher is prepared to move an $18 million settlement between Activision Blizzard and the U.S. Equal Opportunity or Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. This lawsuit is separate from another one from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Once finalized, Activision will agree to create an $18 million fund to compensate eligible claimants, continue enhancing policies, practices, and training to prevent harassment and discrimination in the workplace and engage a third-party equal employment opportunity consultant approved by the EEOC. Uh, This is a quote from um, someone at Activision Blizzard. uh, Well, I guess it's a statement from Activision Blizzard. Um, We are gratified that the federal court that reviewed our settlement with the EEOC is finding that it is fair, reasonable, and adequate, and advances the public interest. Uh, This is not the only lawsuit Activision Blizzard is facing on the matter of workplace misconduct. The California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, DFEH, is also suing the company over similar concerns. The EEOC is a federal agency, while the DFEH is a state agency, and both were tipped off to investigate the company in 2018. The DFEH and EEOC did disagree on how to pursue action against Activision Blizzard, and the California agency says that the federal settlement could limit the DFEH from pursuing further damages. The DFEH told Washington Post that it will continue to vigorously prosecute its action against Activision in California state court, and the DFEH defeated Activision's request uh, to dismiss the case. The DFEH's case has a trial date in February 2023. 
alongside the DFEH, an unnamed Jane Doe has filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard over sexual harassment and discrimination. Finally, the company faces a lawsuit from the family of an Activision Blizzard employee who died by suicide in 2017. Activision Blizzard has been embroiled in a sexual harassment scandal since 2021, and while it's, it looks to resolve one lawsuit, there are others the company still faces for a full timeline of events, including Xbox's intent to purchase Activision Blizzard. You can check out the story over at IGN. So, with, you know, in terms of Activision's impact on Nintendo, it, it comes in forms of like Spyro the Dragon, Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, Crash Bandicoot games, uh, and Microsoft has said that they intend to bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch. And Microsoft has been trying to establish a positive relationship with Nintendo. There's um, the telltale signs of it all, from Minecraft to... Um, uh, Banjo-Kazooie finding its way to Nintendo Switch Online, despite being owned by Rare, which is owned by Microsoft. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird story. It's a shame that uh, all of this stuff took place and transpired, and I really feel bad for everybody affected by uh, the culture, the workplace culture over at Activision. Activision is one of my least favorite companies on this planet. You know, at the end of the day, even before all the sexual harassment and stuff came to light, I had a huge problem with Activision because they don't pay federal taxes. They actually get a tax return. And I say this almost every time we talk about Activision Blizzard because I feel like a lot of people don't care. But whether or not you buy Activision games, they get some of your money. If you pay federal taxes in the United States, they get some of your money, even if you refrain from buying their games. And it's because they have a tax haven. And, you know, I don't pretend to be a lawyer in any kind of way, but from everything I've read, that is the understanding I have, and it bothers me. Um, and then all of this stuff, and, you know, I think... The Activision is in better hands under Microsoft's control. So I'm glad that that's happening. I think there's a little bit of like, why does Xbox want all of this negative attention? Are they really just throwing their money around to save Activision? Or do they want the money that comes with owning Call of Duty and everything? It gets real weird and real tricky. Um, but, you know... $18 million is a lot of money. Um, if the federal government saw it like as a fair settlement, I hope that the people that are receiving compensation through that feel the same way. I would probably bet money that they don't. Um, unless there's like 18 of them and each one of them gets a million dollars. But even that, they might be like, it's not worth it, you know? Um, it's an interesting story, something I kind of just wanted to bring to light, um, as things advance with Activision Blizzard, uh, I'll keep everybody posted, um, and before you buy a game, just like you may check to see if Tencent, uh, has any money in it, because they're a Chinese corporation, they have to play nice with the Chinese government, and their money goes to the Chinese government, I believe that's how that works, look it up. If I'm wrong, let me know in the comments below. But 
anybody that plays nice with the Chinese government rubs me the wrong way. So I don't like Tencent. I don't like their almost Silk Road-like way of giving money to all of these little indie studios that we might not care about right now, but eventually they will touch something that bugs us. And then all of the sudden we start getting censored games. Like if you remember when Tiananmen Square had to be taken out of that Call of Duty trailer because Activision was playing nice with the Chinese government. There are all of these weird things and weird censorship that I don't like. And I'm going to continue to bring up on this show, even though it's serious and it, you know, it's a Nintendo podcast and it's supposed to be lighthearted and fun. There are real things that happen. This is very unfortunate. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm going to move on from this one because I feel like I'm at the end of my rope (laughs) with, uh, just lamenting over how much I don't like Activision Blizzard. And uh, I don't play their games. I wish I wish I could with a good conscience. I would love to play the Reignited Trilogy, but I just refuse to give money to Activision Blizzard. So I think the last time I buckled and bought a game of theirs, full transparency, was uh, Crash Team Racing for the, for the PlayStation 4. Or Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled or whatever. That's the last one I bought. Uh... And, uh, I kind of kicked myself over buying that. Should have just bought Mario Kart 8. But, I have Mario Kart 8 now, and that's what I play when I want to play a kart racer. So, it is what it is. It's almost impossible for us to keep our hands completely clean. And the Hippocratic society we live in now, where we're all using cell phones that were made in, like, essentially sweatshops where people kill themselves with I believe is like on a daily basis trying to jump out of windows and stuff. It's terrible. Um, and it's almost impossible to stay completely clean. And so we have to pick and choose our battles. Um, but, uh, refraining from buying Activision games is something that I try to do. And I, if I know that Tencent has any involvement in a game, I try to avoid it. Uh, there are times where you buy something and then you go, ah, shit, I didn't know. Uh, but Hey, it is what it is. Anyway, moving on something a little lighter, something you might be interested in bloodstained ritual of the night has done a collaboration with child of light. It's kind of a weird collaboration to bring together. Never in a million years would I have thought that child of light, the game from like 2015 would be finding its way to bloodstained ritual of the night. Um, Real quick for the video fans, the people that are watching on video, I'm going to hit play on this trailer. We can watch it together and I'll kind of talk about what's going on. It's published by 505 Games, Ubisoft. Excuse me, there's a burp again. And yeah, you're so basically you're playing Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, as the character from Child of Light, who honestly looks a little funny in this like 2.5D castlevania like game and the abilities from child of light are available i'm sorry i know people like bloodstained but to me this does not look good i i uh i've never played bloodstained so i don't know but 
to me, this looks... I'm not a fan of this art style. I think this looks a little, like, chintzy. If that's... What does that mean? Cheap? Is chintzy okay to say? I don't quite know what that where that word is derived from, but now that I say it and it comes off my lips, it does not feel right. So if that's offensive, I apologize. I, but it, it feels cheap, the art style. Um, but, you know, if you're a fan of Child of Light and you're a fan of Bloodstained, I apologize for <laughs> insulting this. But, uh, yeah, this is coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and a number of other services. Um and it looks cool, you know, if you're into it, you know, if I think if you are already on board with Bloodstained, you're okay with this art style, so by all means, have fun, do that, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up, uh, because to me, it was an odd crossover, and, um, yeah, sorry, that Activision story really took the wind out of my sails, uh, I'm just gonna move on to the next story and hope that that digs me out, <laughs> So, the Nintendo, or sorry, Nintendo expands its Switch Online, Super NES, and NES service with three more titles. Um, We're getting Dig Dug, Earthworm Jim, and Mappy Land. Uh, I've never heard of Mappy Land. I've heard of Dig Dug. I've played Dig Dug a number of times. And Earthworm Jim, I think I played at a friend's house once upon a time. Um, I've got the trailer playing right now for, uh, like, a video Uh, But for audio-only listeners, uh, they're showing off some Earthworm Jim footage. And to me, Earthworm Jim is probably the one out of all of these games, these three, that I would actually, like, be interested in checking out. I think the the art style is cool. The the humor and everything associated with it is cool. Um, You know, the the basic descriptions for these games uh, let's start with earthworm jim is return to the wacky world of earthworm jim in this wild platformer released for the super nes console in 1995 you worm your way back into your super suit and take on the role of jim the analid with attitude <laughs> the plot picks up after jim's successful rescue of princess what's her name and his less than successful attempts to woo her immediately thereafter just when it seemed the princess would have a change of heart, the evil Psycow swooped in and kidnapped her, eager to claim the crown for himself. Now it's up to Jim to stop their wedding, following their trail from planet to planet, but he's not alone this time. His pal, Snot, is along for the ride. Jump, shoot, swing, and slime your way across ten different levels, catch Psycow or Psycrow? Psycrow? Wow, I thought it was Psycow. My bad. I saw the cows in the trailer and thought it was Psycal, but it's Psycro. And uh, rescue the girl of Jim's dreams. Uh, anyway, moving on to Dig Dug 2. Help Dig Dug rid the island of vacation crashing intruders. Sorry, I said Dig Dug earlier. It's Dig Dug 2. My apologies. Help Dig Dug rid the island of vacation crashing intruders. Dig Dug has decided to take a vacation on a remote island, but the Puka and Figar won't give him the chance to rest. In each round, clear out the enemies by inflating them until they burst or by digging up traps for them to fall into, but be careful that you don't get too close to their attacks or fall into your own traps. I didn't know Dig Dug had a story, but apparently it does. Anyway, on to Mappy Land. Help Mappy make it back to the party in time. 
Mappy, the police mouse, has prepared all kinds of wonderful presents for Mappico and Mappy Jr., but the big cheese of the feline world, Nyamco, um, has ordered his clouder, his clouder, Meowkies, to hide the presents throughout Mappy Land. If he's going to get the gifts to their intended recipients on time, Mappy will have to double time it on finding them. Avoid avoid and activate traps to knock out those crafty cats headed your way. You can also use special items hidden in the level to distract them. Collect six of the same presents to move on to another stage. Can Mappy make it through all eight towns and survive the onslaught of claws? Who's to say? Anyway, um, piggybacking off of this, something I think is kind of lame. Japan... Their Switch Online Super Famicom library got Harvest Moon instead of Earthworm Jim. And I think we all would have rather probably have gotten Harvest Moon. And maybe this means that we'll get it at some point. Maybe they're working on a translation. Um, or just getting like the, the right version up and running. But I'd like to go back and check out Harvest Moon. Especially with how popular Stardew Valley is. I think it would be really cool to go back and check this out. Um, but I just wanted to bring it up, uh, cause, uh, yeah, I mean, even though, unless, I don't know if you can change your address to Japan somewhere and be able to access the Super Famicom library, but, um, I know you used to be able to do stuff like that on like PlayStation. You could switch your country of origin and, uh, access like the Australian, uh, library of uh because they would get like game demos that we wouldn't get and i remember doing that back in the day but um yeah harvest moon added to the super famicom library in japan so if you're listening to this in japan check it out anyway moving on to the penultimate story of the day a curious class action lawsuit may see kids suing nintendo and this comes from Eurogamer, written by tom phillips their deputy editor the article reads as follows. Parents attempting to sue Nintendo are getting their kids involved in a class action lawsuit. The unusual legal situation has arisen as Nintendo and the parents tussle over the latter's ability to get the lawsuit off the ground. Thanks, Axios. And once again, it's the notorious pro- Wait, I want to see what do they mean by thanks, Axios. I guess uh, Axios originally reported the story. So anyway... And once again, it's the notorious problem of Nintendo Switch Joy-Con controller drift at the root of the issue. The proposed lawsuit is being investigated by two mothers who bought Nintendo Switch consoles for, for their kids. Nintendo lawyers say the parents waive their rights to sue per clauses in the Nintendo Switch consoles and user license agreement, U, sorry, EULA. The parents responded by saying the case should proceed on behalf of their kids, who as minors cannot agree to said EULA. And now Nintendo has responded again, this time to say the kids can't get involved as they were not the purchasers of the Switch and, so far, allege no cognizable harm to themselves. Um, the case is being heard by a federal court in California, which will look again at the matter this week. Nintendo has previously apologized for Switch Joy-Con drift and said it was continuing to aim to improve our products following numerous complaints. Last year, the European Commission said it was considering potential legal action against Nintendo for itself. Um, yeah, this is a weird story. Um, personally, I've never experienced Joy-Con drift. I don't 
really use my Switch in portable mode, but even on my Switch Lite, I never experienced Joy-Con drift, and I played a lot of games on my Switch Lite. You know, I don't want to, like, victim blame, but I think sometimes I see people use controllers that use un... Like, like they, they jam things around way too hard. And I'm sure there's little kids out there that don't fully grasp that... Well, there are they are firmly grasping those joysticks, but they don't firmly grasp the concept that you don't need to do that. Um, I see some people like um, here. Here's the best example. So, Grip It used to make these. I mean, they probably still make them, but they were these thumbstick covers that if you wore out your thumbsticks, they like folded right over the thumbstick and would kind of breathe new life back into your thumbsticks or just protect them if you had like a controller you really wanted to take care of um i would play it and the thumbs those caps would never slip off i'd hand it to a friend and they were just rubbing them off and i'm like how much pressure are you putting on these sticks and he'd be like i'm just using them and i'm like that's literally never happened to me and i play games pretty competently so i don't think you need to do that and i wonder if people are like jamming and like squishing their their sticks while they play and just wearing them out that has to be what's happening and the way that the the joy cons analog sticks are manufactured is just more prone to wearing out quicker than something like a dualshock 4 or a um an xbox one controller or xbox series x controller so i don't know man i hate to to blame the user, but personally, never experienced it. I've owned three Switches, never experienced Joy-Con Drift, and I can't just be getting lucky. Uh, I think it has something to do with me kind of delicately treating my thumbsticks while not, like, hardly using them or... uh, not playing games competently i'm just not getting like you know (laughs) i don't know it it, to me it's it's the weirdest issue i know that with kids and people that just like jam and smush their sticks i think that is what causes it because personally i've never encountered it if i ever do you'll hear it here first i'll tell everybody it'd be like hey you know i I, for the first time i experienced joy con drift and nothing weird happened uh that i think would cause it um, if that happens, you'll be the first to know, or if I do something, then all of a sudden it starts happening. Or if I like hand my controller over to somebody and they use it and then all of a sudden it comes back and it's all fucked up. I'll let you know. <laughs> anyway, on to the last story of the day. This one is a bit of a bummer. E3 2022 is officially canceled. Uh, it had moved to a digital only format and now the digital only side of it is canceled as well. Uh, The story comes from Nintendo Life. Kate Gray wrote it, and the article reads as follows. There was an update on Thursday, the 31st of March. Uh, The ESA had provided an official statement to IGN, and it was reported by Rebecca Valentine. The quote says, we will devote all our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer for 2023. 
Whether enjoyed from the show floor or your favorite devices, the two are uh, sorry. The 2023 showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together in an all-new format and interactive experience. We look forward to presenting E3 fans around the world, or presenting E3 to fans around the world from lo- live from Los Angeles in 2023. Uh, yeah. What's weird is that following this announcement, um. There was some weird stuff. I mean, first E3 never specifically announced a digital conference this year, but it, it was in limbo since January. The ESA initially announced that they would, wouldn't would hold it in person back in January, which kind of led us all to think that it would be digital only. And But anyway, weeks later, industry insider and games journalist Jeff Grubb said that it would most like, or that it most likely wouldn't come back in a digital form either. Now we just have confirmation. That doesn't mean that this summer will be devoid of long ad-filled game announcement streams, though, because Jeff Keighley Summer's Game Fest, or sorry, Summer Game Fest is still going to take place, and it looks like Keighley is aware that E3's crown is up for grabs since he tweeted a winking emoji seconds after the news broke. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah, Summer Game Fest happens June 2022. And, uh, yeah, Summer Game Fest is probably going to be huge this year. Um, it's a shame because there's a lot of people celebrating the fact that E3 wasn't coming back. And I know that E3 is kind of a shell of its former self. I've never attended live, but I've always really enjoyed news coverage around E3 and the, the stuff that gets announced. I remember being on lunch breaks and finding out about things happening from E3 and announcements being made and like just getting hype. And, uh, I do love that. And it's a shame that, you know, at least summer game fest is happening, but it's a shame that E3 isn't happening. And to see everybody kind of being so negative is a bit of a bummer. I mean, that's games nowadays. If you look at Twitter, that's the thing is what is, what happens and is said on Twitter is just the side of gaming that uses Twitter. And is also a shit bag on Twitter. So, you know, what really gets annoying is that you see a lot of people talking about games discourse, but they're talking about what they see on Twitter. They're not talking about, you know, like whenever I think of gamers, I think of like the person I talk to at work that's not on Twitter, just plays games. I think of like my sister's boyfriend um, who plays destiny on a daily basis. He's deep in it and loves it and has no idea about all of the shit that's going on. Like he just, he just loves destiny. He loves like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and he plays these games and doesn't give a shit about what anybody's saying on the internet. He just plays games. I kind of love that. And those are the people that I think of when I think of who misses out on stuff like this and who's going to be like, wow, E3 didn't happen this year. Where's all the game announcements and what happened to, you know, yada, yada. That's the majority. The minority are the vertical slices of the games of the games audience that is on Twitter. And it's just that the shitty thing about Twitter is that it didn't because people like and comment and engagement drives people to gain followers or get likes or get quote tweeted or get replied to 
people say the most salacious shit on Twitter because they know it gets a rise out of people. And when I think when you start spending too much time on Twitter, you lose sight of that. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have lost sight of it. And so when I see all these people poo-pooing E3 for being canceled, when I think for majority of the game's audience e3 is this thing that they look forward to because they find out about all of the new games that we have to look forward to and even if you know they announce something that doesn't come out for like three four years at least they know that it's it's coming and they're like okay well i'm I'm just gonna play fucking destiny in the meantime you know or i'm gonna play horizon forbidden west and hopefully god of war comes out this year you know but anyway i just wanted to bring it up i think it's unfortunate um, that E3 is canceled and the pandemic is continuing to affect everything, um, in terms of, uh, getting together, you know, E3 probably could have been a really cool opportunity for me to meet a lot of the, uh, Lords of Gaming writers, you know, they're all going to PAX and I can't go to PAX and I'm a little bummed out about that. Um, I am doing something really cool that there'll be a video on my channel about, and I'll definitely talk on um, on here about it because it'll be something that is Nintendo-ish related. It's like Nintendo adjacent, um, but I'm going to go to this thing, and it's going to be really cool, and I can't wait to talk about it, but there's going to be an article. I'm going to make a video all about it. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, it's in late April, so... It, right now it's April 2nd, so we're a little ways off, but it's in the pipeline. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, that was the news. Um, moving on to what I'm playing. So I've been playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land since I stopped playing Horizon Forbidden West. And, uh, you know, top-down impressions... It's it's a fun, charming, cute game. It's not blowing me away. Um, when I did my impressions based on the eShop demo, I thought we were getting like this vertical slice of the game that was being a little deceiving and kind of burying the lead a little bit. And it was going to feel like a Super Mario Odyssey style Kirby game. I don't think that that's the case. This has little whiffs of Super Mario Odyssey inspiration throughout it, but the last thing I will say, because I I, I did enjoy it, so take it with a grain of salt, I, I, I did enjoy it, and don't get me wrong, I had a good time playing it, and there are moments I really thought were great, but I think that if this... If Kirby in the Forgotten Land didn't have Kirby on it and it was like KO the Kangaroo or insert another 3D platformer character, you know, I know that Kirby isn't traditionally a 3D platformer character and I know that this is, you know, HAL or HAL Laboratory's first attempt at making Kirby a 3D platformer, but... It does not feel like it was developed by a premium studio, like a like a triple A 
studio for uh, like it doesn't feel like a triple a nintendo game um i th- like i said it's it's fun it's charming it's incredibly easy um i think it makes a great pack in um like if if it was bundled and you were getting a switch for somebody like a kid and Kirby in the Forgotten Land was included. Amazing. That 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 is perfect. Do that buy a different game like something like a Breath of the Wild or Mario Kart or something. That is great. If I was a kid and I got a Switch and Kirby in the Forgotten Land, I'd be over the moon. But if I dropped my only $60 on Kirby in the Forgotten Land, I might be a little bummed out. That's that's all I'm saying. I have my, my full review coming out, and I know I sound mostly negative right now, but I think I have mostly positive things to say about this. Um, it's fun. It's cute. It's endearing. I have to play some co-op multiplayer, so I still have that to do, and that will. Uh, I'm doing that tonight with my girlfriend. So when the review comes out, there's that, and, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... Um, <laughs> if you haven't already bought it, wait for the review. Um, or play the eShop demo and then kind of be like, imagine doing this. Thirty more times, <laughs> you know, in different locales, and then go, okay, is that what I want to do? Um, and granted, there are like mini games and other side content and co-op and stuff like that, so there is more, but just throwing that out there it's it's i'll say this it's not going to make my game of the year list 100 percent. but i do like it i think it's good if i was if i was a kid or if i had a kid this would be a no-brainer i'd get this i'd play with them it'd be a fun time no ifs ands or buts you know but to think you could pay ten dollars more and get something like forbidden west on a ps5 or even like the fact that Kirby and the Forgotten Land and Pokemon Legends Arceus cost the same amount of money. That's kind of baffling. I think that this should have been a $40 like a $40 game. If Ratchet and Clank 2016 was $40, this game could have been $40. That's all I'll say. Anyway. Moving on. Switch it up. Um, Earthworm Jim for Super Nintendo is my Switch It Up game of the week. Um, let's pop over to this gameplay trailer. I'm just going to click into the meat and potatoes of it. Um, you know, since it came out this week and it is playable now, I thought what better to suggest. Um, you know, if you're not playing Kirby and you've played the eShop demo or, you know, you beat Kirby because it's kind of a short experience and you want to play something different, um, and you know has a little bit of humor to it um earthworm gym 2 might be the game for you um i remember playing this on sega genesis i believe i think it came to sega genesis but um you know after you know i grew up playing side-scrolling platformers like this and uh then like when 3d platformers started to get really popular i kind of stopped playing them and then metroid dread brought me back 
And uh, so I look at something like this and I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. This, uh, this would be fun, something fun to like, you know, if I'm not trying to dive headfirst into something that I need to play for content or to necessarily beat, but like I wanted to take my Switch to like my sister's place for Thanksgiving and want something to play while I'm waiting for everybody else to wake up. This looks like something I could have fun just messing around with on that like mild vacation. Um, so if you want to check it out, that's my suggestion for this week. Um, and uh, yeah, if you do check out Earthworm Jim 2 or you've played it before and you have thoughts on it or like there's it's like secretly like deceptively like incredible. Uh, let me know. I'd be interested because, you know, I could always make a I finally beat about it if it if it's of that level you know um but yeah anyway that my friends was episode 16 of me myself and i a nintendo podcast thank you so much for listening again if you enjoy this show you can show your support by simply following the show on your podcast service of choice you can subscribe to hitbox detective on youtube that's where i upload the video component of the podcast and other gaming related videos and you can also follow me on Twitter at HitboxDetective. If you would like to write into the show with questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on a YouTube video, or you can tweet at me at HitboxDetective. I would love to add a segment where I answer questions and get to interact with everyone, so please do not hesitate to write in. Again, thank you so much uh, for your support and attention. Take care of yourselves, and remember... Leave luck to the heavens. Thank you.